Camel boots on my feet, bow in my hand. Walking in the early dawn to climb up in my stand. Hunting off the farm, wishing on some love. I've been on a big board for a while, like load him in the back of my truck. We can take it to a Hornady presents. American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and his friends and a uh, another COVID edition of the uh, American Roots Outdoors radio show. <laughs> Wayne and Alex have joined us here. And uh, since we uh, you know, have closed the studios to the public, uh, they're on the phone sitting somewhere around Birch Tree, Missouri. How you doing, guys? Well, we're doing good. We're sitting up on a hill in the middle of nowhere. You can't get much better uh, uh, social distancing than this. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's what it's all about these days, and and you know we've still got three weeks of this to go, on the uh, on the uh, statewide mandate, and I'm getting tired of it already. I don't know how we're going to make it three more weeks. Yeah, I done some social distancing myself yesterday, Linda, and I went to uh, Udall, Udall, Missouri, and went lake fishing, and we caught four walleye and three largemouth. Oh wow! My brother Jack and his yeah, my brother Jack and his wife Pat was in their boat and they caught a bunch of large mouth but we didn't catch any keepers and but anyway we we stayed away from everybody and kind of done our own thing and i want to mention my my buddy scotty mcgee down there he owns a uh, uh place to buy minnows and fishing tackle right there at udall you right there on the left when you pull in the boat ramps be sure to stop in there and visit with him when you go to udall everybody but uh yeah social distancing COVID 19 wayne redbone listeners uh, it's quite the deal. However, we got a lot of positive news. The stock market's coming up right now as we speak, Wayne. Yeah, it was up uh, 1,700 points the other day, uh, I think 800 points yesterday, and hopefully it keeps creeping up. I think, you know, they're seeing a light maybe at the end of the tunnel with this new treatment that seem to be uh, have a good prognosis to it. So stock markets, I think, reacting to that, which is what good news for everybody. We, we need the stock market to react good. Yeah, and what I was going to tell you, Wayne, is I think another thing that's driving the stock market up is that, you know, you said they they got some cure. The New York governor or the mayor is, they say that they got a stable, they're stabilizing the COVID-19 in the state of New York, the governor. But a lot of positive things going on. Uh, there is some negative things. we got to report both good and negative, Redbone. And the negative is the Democrat Senate voted down, Wayne, explain what they voted down. Uh, there's a uh, McConnell had introduced a he wanted to fast track a 250 billion dollar uh, bill that would help uh, small businesses and uh, this it got uh, got voted down this morning. I got that uh, news on my my phone. Didn't get a chance to really read the whole article, but uh, I'm not shocked. I don't know. But what about you, Redbone? Are you shocked about that? Uh, not really, not really, and and uh, you know, I, and and in defense of the Democrats, and imagine that me defending Democrats, I think they want to wait and see what's going to happen with the billions of dollars that have already been earmarked to help small businesses because there have been some issues uh, with with both the uh, SBA and and the other federal programs. Uh, you know, the one that they put in place to help businesses get. Uh, loans which don't have to be repaid uh, to pay their employees. I mean, small businesses are supposed to be able to get $10,000. There have been some issues with that, and I won't go into all that because I'm not really sure, but uh, 
you know, and I, and I think the government, you know, not just to waste their money. Uh, probably, you know, let's let's make sure that we're we're on the right track first before we start pumping another two hundred fifty billion dollars into the program. Yeah, and I, one of the things I did read about it though that they wanted um, that they were upset is that they didn't have any what you know that whole Green New Deal right uh, part of the small business stuff that they the Democrats wanted introduced in there is that mandating uh, money going towards uh, windmill and solar. Yeah. Uh, programs and that um so that you know again they're just trying to sneak in their their agenda and mm-hmm. they put a stop to it unfortunately but you know hopefully uh people will get the, you know these these little problems that we're having right now with these loans and that i mean it's new to everybody it's new to the government oh, this whole thing's never happened before so it's, we're going to have problems but i think if everybody just kind of takes a breath let it kind of ride out they'll work it out and everybody will be on a track for uh, getting back to success again I, I would agree 100%. I think, you know, everybody's quick to criticize. Let's just wait and see, uh, you know, what happens. And, you know, one thing that Donald Trump has shown, guys, during this crisis is the ability to be flexible. Because he was saying things in the beginning, found out that that's not the way it was going to be, and he has changed. And I, and I think when you're dealing with something that's never been dealt with before, you have to be flexible and willing to change. And he has shown that ability during this crisis. Yes, he has, and, and, and it just shows great leadership. And I think, you know, the things that we need to focus on is, is trying to be positive, and Wayne and I talk about it all the time, and my wife, my household. Uh, we don't want to thrive on the negative things. However, we do need to know about the negative things, and that's a very positive thing. Uh, I think he's a great leader, and I think uh, there's some of the Republicans I don't agree with some of their stances and their beliefs, just like some Democrats, but it's all about everybody working together, you know. But uh, that being said, I'm going to change the subject. I just want to share some things before we go to a break. We've got about two minutes left here. Uh, some COVID-19 things. When you go into public places, carry rubber gloves, latex gloves with you, or hand sanitizer. Sanitize your hands before you get out and use the gas pumps. If you're going into public places, get you a mask, wear a mask. If you know anybody that's running a fever, or if you're running a fever, uh, you need to get yourself checked out as soon as possible. Uh, we want to try to help keep this COVID-19 thing down. However, we want to tell you, get outdoors with the kids, get outdoors with your family, do things, but avoid large gatherings. Avoid going into public places with lots of people. Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, avoiding uh, large crowds of people. And, and, you know, even the big box stores around the country, uh, they are you know adhering to that by only allowing uh, X number of people into the store at a time and, and making sure that people are staying that six to ten feet apart. I mean, you you, you got to. The way the country has pulled together to fight this thing, you've really got to be happy about it. Yes. I, I think they've even said that in the national news, Wayne, uh, Redmond, that they was impressed with the, the amount of people that's actually uh, it's went along with the program or the policies of, of this, this epidemic or virus. So they're impressed by it. I think that was statistics that was given. Yeah, people responding how they handled it. And, and people aren't looking at this as a uh, party line issue now. Yeah. They're looking at it, this is an American issue. Yeah. We're Americans. We need to get together, put our politics aside for a minute, and uh, let's, get, let's get this tackled. Yeah. Well, anyway, we're going to make announcements here, everybody. Uh, I'm going to let you make it, Redbone, for the NBC. Special announcement about NBC is positive news. Oh, absolutely. What is NBC doing? Well, the MDC yesterday, and we're recording on Thursday, on Wednesday, the MDC has established Missouri's first elk hunting season 
in modern history. It'll be coming up this fall, Alex. Uh, the first pending elk hunt comes after years of restoration, and we all know about that and what they've been doing. Uh, they have designated a nine-day archery portion running October 17th through the 25th and a nine-day firearms portion from December 12th to the 20th. Now, they're going to give out five permits. There'll be a random drawing for permits. Four of those will go to the general public, and one will go to a landowner that lives in the areas uh, where the hunting's going to go. That is Carter, Reynolds, and Shannon counties. Now, guys, if you want to make application, hopefully to get drawn for one of the permits, it costs you $10 to make the application. If you get drawn, there's a $50 fee for the permit. And Alex, I think they're right on track. And, you know, I thought, and we talked about this, you know, years ago when they started the restoration project, we thought it would be 10, 15, maybe 20 years before this happened. And here we are just, what, seven years into the program, and we've got an elk hunting season. Well, this is wonderful. And and I want to make an announcement here on behalf of America Roots Outdoors. Whoever gets drawn, if you're listening, we want to film the archery hunt, uh, rifle hunt as well. So we'd love to film it for our show. Uh, if you're listening, keep us in mind. But uh, also, we've got a great show lined up, and Wayne, I'm going to let you take it over here. And we got uh, Thomas Moore is going to be joining us, who took his children out this last weekend for some... Four uh, boys? Yeah, four boys. Took them out for some youth turkey hunting, and boy, did they lay them down this weekend. I'm telling you what. They're going to have one heck of a Thanksgiving dinner this year. They spend them. They'll already eat. They oh, I'm sure they've already eat. ate it, yeah. He's got five kids, six kids in his house. This guy's a killer. And it goes to show you these American rich calls and knowing how to use a man. They laid him down in Kentucky. Everybody, don't go away. We'll be back with Thomas Moore, Team ARO Kentucky, on his success and what he's going to share with you when you take kids hunting right after this. Hi, everybody. This is Brad Harris. You're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and Friends. Hornady presents, welcome back to America Reach Outdoors, your host, Alex Rutledge, along with Redbone Mike Crace and Wayne Locke. And on the line, as promised, is ARO Team Kentucky member, director of Waterfowl, Mr. Thomas Moore. Thomas Moore had a successful weekend in Kentucky with his family, his boys. And Thomas, welcome to the show. How you guys doing? We're doing good. Where are you at today? You out on the job? Working under a I'm house. Out. Yeah, we're working under a house replacing some duck work today. I, well, don't get me fibbing. My guys are. I've snuck off so I can call you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thomas, we've seen that uh, on the social media you're posting everywhere that you took four of your boys and all four of them killed big longbeards this weekend in Kentucky. Yes, sir. Well, we want to congratulate you on behalf of the Hornady Eagle Seed, Right on Optics, Texas Rays Hunting Products, and the American Reach Outdoors. We want to congratulate you, man. That, that's a big task, taking four yes, it kids. Is. Well, how many boys do you have now? I've got seven boys. Seven boys. You're pretty fertile. Seven boys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> he must well, be using that Eagle Seed fertilizer. 
but they go yeah. fertilizer. His wife needs to start practicing more of that social distancing at home. <laughs> <laughs> well, Thomas, what does it mean to you? I guess the first question here, you know, a lot of people that's not ever met Thomas more. First question I want to ask you, Thomas, where was you born? Where was I born? Here in Kentucky. Yeah. Here in Kentucky. In Paducah. Paducah, Kentucky. Okay, and you was born and raised around Paducah. You went to yes, school sir. there in, in Paducah area. Uh, did you play sports? I did not play sports. While others were playing sports, I was hunting and fishing at a very young age. Too bad they didn't have a sport for that, huh? <laughs> if they did, I think I would have been okay. Yeah, I think you'd have been okay. So so you went to school you're around Paducah area there. You live in Arlington, Kentucky right now with your beautiful wife and your family. You got a beautiful home. You got a big old pond in front of your house that you raise ducks, and you have ducks come in there. And you're a big waterfowl hunter, and uh, you go to church. You love the Lord. Uh, let's talk now. What does it mean to you to be able to share the outdoors with your boys? Well, it's, it's everything to me. I mean, that's what my world revolves around. When I was younger, it revolved around the outdoors, and now that I've got these kids, it revolves around getting them involved and making sure that they have a successful and enjoyable hunt. Beautiful. Beautiful. So, I, go ahead. I got out two weeks before youth season, two to three weeks before youth season, every morning before work, and I was listening at these different spots, getting these birds figured out before youth season because I knew I had two days to get it done. And we all know with kids, the odds are stacked against us. <coughs> Little guys are, you know, moving around and stuff and can't move as quick as you need to when you need to. And and we don't hunt out of blinds. Them kids are running and gunning. That's how I hunt, so that's how I teach my kids to hunt. And that's that's unusual to hear because most people start their kids off, and I myself included, always started them off inside of a blind because they were so young, they're fidgety. You know, uh, it just increases your odds to have them in a blind. But the fact that you're running and gunning with these kids, my hat's off to you. Well, thank you, sir. It's definitely, it, it can be a challenge for sure. <clears throat> They're getting old enough now. They've killed enough and hunted enough turkeys. They're, they they know what's up now. I don't have to get on to them much anymore. I think what you've displayed here, Thomas, is that the ability for you to teach your kids how to set still and set up in the right locations to blend in and you, you practice with them. What are some of the things that you can share with our listeners that you do with your kids previous, prior to the hunt? I'm sorry, prior to the hunt. I, uh, I practice with the boys all the time at the house. Before season comes in, we'll get out a week or two before, and, and I'll put I'll put dove loads in their, in their shotgun. And just like uh, on Thursday afternoon before our season came in on Saturday, I was going to take them two at a time, so I knew there was a possibility of a double. Mm -hmm. So I had them practicing their one, two, three shoots. And we sat there, and I bet we shot a box of shells, and I put two targets out at 40 yards, and I would have them practice. I would say one, whisper, one, two, three, and they were getting their timing right with their shooting. Just little things like that. When they were younger, I would have them practice with getting their side alignment. We'd just sit up there, and I... I I'd let them shoot from a lead sled with the turkey loads, but I would put dove loads in so I didn't burn them out. And I'd have them lean up against a post at the at the shop there at the house, just like you're going to be up against a tree, and I'd have them practice holding that gun and getting it comfortable and getting a side alignment on their target. And then once they did that, when we were in the field, there was no, there was no issue with, I can't hold my gun steady, I'm uncomfortable, because they dealt with all that at the house, and they figured it out. Now, do you use gun sticks? Do not. 
I have them shoot just like what, what I shoot. I hold it with my hand and rest it against my leg on my knee. So you teach them, you teach them, you're pre-practicing you're pre, you're pre practicing all this before the hunt, and they're mentally prepared when it comes to, to the time to close the deal. So Just like baseball, basketball, or any other sport, you, you practice real scenarios just like just like it's going to be. So that's yeah, how that's I have real practice for that. Yep. yep. And that, that goes to show, and that's why I tell people during my seminars and social media everywhere, you know, you can't go out and take a kid hunting if you don't have them prepared and be successful every time, you know. And uh, I just want to go back and reiterate that Thomas has nothing against hunting out of blinds. He just chooses to hunt his kids this way because he likes to be mobile and move when they need to move. That's exactly right. Yeah, I was going to say, we, we got about a minute to go here in this segment. And, and I want to also give uh, kudos to, to Thomas's kids because if they're not willing to put that time in, uh, you know, it's all for naught. So they've really got to love the sport to put that time in ahead of time because a lot of kids, they don't want to do anything until the day of the turkey hunt. And then they want to go turkey hunting. Uh, so, you know, kudos to your kids for wanting to become better hunters and better sportsmen. And I, I guess that's something you instilled in them really early in their life. Yeah, it's a constant competition with everything at my house. So to get them all involved, ain't <laughs> it ain't hard at all. Because if one does it, the other one wants to be better at it. So, And that's probably why they are all as good at it as they are. And I know you want to get into some of the hunts and stuff like that, Alex, but we need to, uh, we need to go to our first break here. Uh, we'll be back with more American Roots Outdoors Radio right after this. Hi, everybody. This is Aaron Tippin, and you're listening to my old buddy Alex Rutledge with American Roots Outdoors. Yeah, good Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors, everybody. Alex Rutledge, Thomas Moore is on the side here. Thomas, we're talking about youth turkey hunting here. How to be successful with the kids. You took four boys this past weekend in Kentucky, and you laid down four big long beards. I know you was using our calls. Let's talk about the calls you used. Evelyn was the weapon of choice this weekend and the 3.0 mouth call. I did. Uh, it did get windy on us. I guess it was Sunday about midday, and I broke out your tube call yep. and uh, uh, the box call. Awesome. And that well, tube burn. call... Yep. Laverne box call, the L300 diaphragm, the Evelyn slate call, and the ARO tube call. So those are the calls that he used in his arsenal this weekend. What call did they seem to like the best that they responded to in Kentucky? Well, I will say this. If you can't get them to gobble to nothing else, that tube call will strike a nerve. I've hunted with you a few times now, and I, I've seen that work. And that's what two or three years ago I was determined to get that tube call figured out because it'll hit a nerve when nothing else will. I don't know if it's got to do with the pitch or the tone or what, but it, it'll it get them gobbling when want nothing else. That's right. Now, what calls did you do use to finish the turkeys? The Evelyn Slate, I, I know you used them all, but the, the Evelyn Slate seemed I, to I, I finished them with Evelyn. All, yeah. all four of them. I finished with Evelyn. Well, what advice have you got for our listeners now that we've talked about getting prepared for the hunt? Now you're set up on a gobbler. How do you set your kids up when you set? Do you set right beside them? What do you, where do you set when you're calling for your kids? They don't sit between my legs anymore. We're we're past that. Uh, they're a couple of them are still small enough that they probably could, 
if they were an average kid, but we've been doing this now, so they know what's up. So I try to get, just like if you were running the camera, I try to get in a position where I can see them and I can see the bird. And I try to stay close enough to them that I can communicate with them without having to, to talk very loud, whisper very loud. And that's how I try to set up. So what I you do, them... you, step by, you step behind them instead of off to the side. When you're sitting yes, behind sir. them, you can see and control everything and coach them through the whole process. Process. So this means you've got to be actually multitasked. Oh, yeah. You try running like this past weekend, I was trying to take care of that, and I was trying to get it all on film, too. And not, you know, there's a, there was a lot going on for sure. <laughs> now, let me ask you this to our listeners, and Wayne, you may want to jump in here also. When the gobbler's coming, do you have your kids have the gun on their knee instantly while they're coming, or do you wait for that gobbler uh, before you raise the gun? How do you set your kids up, and what advice have you got for the listeners? I have them get comfortable, their button back against the tree. I have them lay the gun across their lap and be comfortable. And and if I don't know where the bird's coming from, I feel like it's a situation where he could be popping up at any second. <clears throat> Excuse me. I will have them up and ready and on the gun and tell them, I constantly tell them, keep your eyes darting back and forth. Don't move your head. Don't move your body. But scan left to right, left to right. Keep them eyes moving until you find that bird because a lot of times, especially in the woods, he'll come in on, on you and he may not gobble. He may not say a word. And you got to keep them eyes moving so you pick him out before he picks you out. And that's what I'm constantly telling them. Keep them eyes moving. So when you got that gun on their leg and you know the bird's close, you can hear them drumming, and you've got them pointed in the direction that you know the gobbler's in by the drumming, that gives them uh, an advantage on that gobbler without any kind of movement, correct? That's exactly right. Now, I, I have a question for you. I know a lot of people are wondering, are you hunting in the woods or on field edges uh, with your kids? Well, we're we're everywhere, really. Um, Hudson killed his bird. He actually he missed the first shot, and it was in the woods within, 50, I'd say, about 25, 30 yards from us, his first shot. And then it ran out to the field line, and he got a, about a 50-yard shot through the edge of the tree line. He got it off and killed that bird. And then uh, Lawson's bird was inside the woods, and uh, my other two boys doubled up in a field. Okay, yeah, the reason I was asking is because a lot of people start their kids off in a field because it's much easier for that the child to spot that bird when it's coming through a field as opposed to the woods, which obviously does make it more difficult, especially as spring progresses here. In some states, that got the undergrowth can be pretty horrendous. I think, I think if I may respond to that also, uh, not every turkey is going to be set up by the edge of a field, especially here in the Ozarks, Redbone. We've got listeners all over the world, but uh, it's a great tip that you're sharing if you can start them out on the field it'd be easier for them to spot them yeah but i think in our situations you never know where they're going to be correct thomas that's right man when you're running and gunning uh, he could be anywhere that's uh the uh, older two boys that doubled up on sunday afternoon i did not get that on film because i did not have time when we got out of the truck to, to locate a bird that day i hit the call i wasn't 40 yards from my truck and they gobbled in my lap so i, I mean I, I didn't even take the camera i didn't have time and i hated to mess those kids up trying to get it on film so i just said come on boys let's go and we jumped in the fencer and we weren't 100 yards 150 from the truck when they killed those birds and it all happened within about probably an eight minute time frame wow that's kind of the dream that's hunt what? right there that's the way everybody wants it to go 
Yeah, well, I mean, we'd done been eight other places and walked 15 miles. We just got lucky at that one particular spot. <laughs> we probably went home and had some biscuits and gravy after that then, huh? Yeah, they did. <laughs> so I know, Thomas, your kids turkey hunt and they deer hunt. Which do they prefer? They prefer turkey hunting or duck hunting. And they're kind of like me. It depends on what time of year you ask them as to what they like the best. <laughs> <laughs> Now, what do you do during the summertime when there's no turkey, no deer, and no waterfowl going on? Dream about it. Yeah. <laughs> catfish. You do a lot of catfish. That's what we do. We catfish. We live right here on the Mississippi River, and that's what that's what we do to pass the time. We we catfish. We got four or five different methods for catching them down here, and we'll either go blocking or run trot lines or pole fish or. You do any noodling? No, I don't do noodling. That's the only thing we don't do, and I've never had anybody show me how to do it, or I'd probably, I'd probably <laughs> love it. I think it'd be pretty cool. Yeah, I never show, had anybody show me how to build a chicken coop, but I watch YouTube videos. <laughs> <laughs> you need to get yeah, a YouTube, to YouTube video, start watching, and get out there and do some noodling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thanks to YouTube, we could all be brain surgeons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Let me, let me ask you this question. We're going to talk about shooting again. Uh, I know Hornady's one of our, our partner sponsors, the Versatite Turkey Loads, and there's all kinds of great turkey loads out there. But I just want to touch on that. The Versatite Turkey Loads, everybody, is designed for modified choke tube, open-board shotguns. Uh, these shells are very effective, turkey loads, very effective to harvest gobblers at 40 yards and less. I've actually seen gobblers. Thomas, you may have been with me in Ohio. Uh, I think we was in Kentucky. And we took, no, was another guy, Rick Taylor's with me. We took some girls, Lizzie Long and uh, one of the girls from Trinity River Band, and they killed a turkey 52 yards with the Hornady Burstock turkey loads. Wow, that's getting on out there. It's, all in, it's all in practicing and knowing what your gun and your, your ammunition is capable of doing. And that's the same thing, at, like I was saying earlier. At the house, I have targets set up in 10-yard increments down my pond levee. And that's what I, all the boys get to shoot. Each gun shoots a little bit different, but I'll have them shoot, and we'll know what each gun's comfortable range is. That's that's very important. I know a lot of guys who just grab a box of shells from Walmart and they take off. They don't know. And, I mean, that's fine if you 10 or 15 steps, but it don't always work out that way, and it's good to know your equipment. Yeah, you say, well, we need to go to a break here, Alex, and we'll continue more with Thomas Moore from Team Kentucky and uh, also talk about some of the Missouri turkey hunt numbers from the youth season last weekend. We'll be back with more in just a moment. Right here, right now, this is Chancey Walters listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge, the Ozark Herd Bull. Hornady presents. Welcome back to American Roots. We have Thomas Moore on the line telling us about all his kids getting them big old gobblers this weekend. And uh, me and Alex are sitting on top of a hill here in the middle of nowhere in Missouri, Ozarks. And uh, luckily, uh, Mike is in the studio, all comfy in some air conditioning, and uh, <laughs> enjoying, the, enjoying the studio in solitude right now. All by myself. Just now joining right now, Thomas is represents American Roots Outdoors from the state of Kentucky. Uh, Thomas is also our director of waterfowl operations. He's obsessed with waterfowl, but this guy is very successful at whatever he does. And we're talking about 
use turkey hunting tips and techniques that you can share to make your child more successful. All right, so Alex, right there, I want to jump in for just a second because I want to ask Thomas about the if if he has had a chance to look at the Kentucky wildlife numbers and see how many turkeys were harvested in Kentucky during the youth season. I actually have not yet. <clears throat> okay, yeah, and I haven't had a chance to either. I know in Missouri, Alex, uh, believe it or not, the turkey kill was up from last year for the youngsters. Uh, 2,714 birds this year. And, of course, the uh, Missouri season was just this past weekend. A year ago, it was just a little over 2,500. So they had an increase of about 200 birds. And with that said, the biggest part of the increase was north Missouri and eastern Missouri. Here in the Missouri Ozarks, the numbers were a little bit down. Yeah, I'm concerned about our numbers here. I drove around yesterday, everybody. I'm not meaning to get off the subject of Thomas and our focus here, but I, I'm, I drove over a 20-mile radius uh, north of Birch Tree and south of Birch Tree on government land, and I stopped, I think, 14 times, and we heard a total of five gobblers. That's not good. That's not good. Uh, I think our numbers are down or they're not gobbling. I pulled into one location that was about 830 uh, late morning, and I thought, man, this is a good spot to listen from. I know there's gobblers here, and I've let everything settle down. I'm sitting in my truck doing some Facebook, social media, Twitter, or something, and I have to look up in the middle of the county road. Now, the left ditch, here comes a long beard, his head bright red, bright red, and he just prancing, hurry up to get across that county road. I hadn't even made a call or anything, just pulled and stopped and filmed him walk from out of sight for over 150 yards in the timber. So not all the birds are gobbling, but however, I am concerned about our numbers. Everybody I'm talking to, a majority, says I'm not hearing very many gobblers redbone. Yeah, and, and part of that, you know, we had Mr. Smith from MDC with us last week, and he said here in the Ozarks region we've had such bad hatches that we don't have a whole lot of those two-year-old birds. Uh, but he thinks that we're okay on the, the mature gobblers. And uh, those, of course, are the birds that don't gobble as much as the young birds do. So, you know, it might be a catch-21, but, uh, you know, overall statewide, if the youth hunt is any indication, uh, the kill was up, you know, for whatever reason. Yeah, and I was glad to hear that the uh, northern part of the state, you said the numbers were up because they had got hit pretty hard uh, with weather Mm -hmm. the last few years. So the fact that their turkeys are starting to recover, that's a great sign. Yeah, and we'll bleed over to the south, I believe, over the course of the next few years. But uh, nonetheless, I right, so Thomas, uh, what are the? I mean, what are the turkey numbers like in Kentucky? Obviously, where you hunt, they're pretty good. <clears throat> well, I've, I'm blessed to have more than a couple spots to take these kids. If I just had one spot or two spots, like a lot of folks do, I could ne- I could never pull that off. It's just a lot of these farmers know that I've got a lot of kids around home, and there's a few that'll let me hunt, and that is thanks to them that i've got a you know a few places to go so when you booger one or it don't work out you can get in the truck and drive down the road and we can get on another one somewhere else sure and, and of course that's, if, a, good, if you were that's just, a good tip to our listeners there uh if you want to get more hunting access you need to start having more children <laughs> yeah exactly it really does it really does help but i don't a lot of the farms that i ask to take the, the kids to i don't even i don't even hunt them during regular season i just uh, I have to take the kids there just because I know I'm going to need more ground to cover with those boys. You just give Wayne an idea. He's bought two very rare goats. He's got 15 dogs. He's got 
two kids, and he's going to get more kids so he can get more hunting land, aren't you? Two ponies. He's going to... Well, if you've got any listeners out there, Wayne's in desperate need of hunting location. <laughs> I actually had one one buddy of mine, uh, as a guy went to school with my mother, he let me hunt a farm uh, about 30 minutes from the house, and it was 900 acres in one location. And he came to me, and he offered it to me about four or five years ago so I'd have a place to take those boys hunting. Well, every time he'd pull up at the gate, we were packing a turkey out. And uh, I guess he got to thinking about that, and uh, <laughs> he told me this year, he's, I went to ask him, and he's like, yeah, you can hunt, go ahead, no problem. And then I went by about a week later to find out who the neighbor was, because there was birds gobbling on the neighbor, and he's like, you know, I kind of thought about it. He said, uh, you got a lot of kids, man, and that's uh, that's really going to cut down on the turkey population if y'all all kill a turkey. And I tried to explain to him, I said, I don't kill any more than two turkeys any farm we hunt. I said, I, I may have seven kids, and four of them's big enough to hunt, but we're not going to kill but two turkeys off that. You may have 15 goblin on you, but I'm only going to take two off of it. Yep, yep. That's good. And You're like, well, too, right? well, I tried to explain that, and he was still, I just, uh, if you don't mind, let me kill one first, and after I kill one, then, then you guys can go on over and have at it. I was like, well, whatever. Well, but I, <laughs> I understand that. I, just, I can understand that him being a landowner, you know, and taxes and invested his money in it. Let him kill one first or whatever, then let you kids come in and mop up. He just He's worried about you educating these turkeys, I think. I guess that's what it was. I don't know. But like, like I said, I was asking to take the kids over during youth season, and he, like I said, he agreed at first, and then after he thought about it about a week later, eh, now that you're here, yeah, maybe you ought to wait till after I kill me one. I'm like, all right, man, no problem. Right. Yeah, Alex, that sounds hey, like deer hunting in the Ozarks. The four segments, and we just got a couple of minutes left, I think. But, Thomas, what have you got to say to all the listeners out there across the world that's listening to American Roots Outdoors when it comes to hunting? What is your thoughts, your sentiments to the whole world about hunting? What does it mean to you, and how important is it, is it to include the youth? It's very important. They're our next generation, and without them pushing for what we love, one of these days it could be gone. So it's very important that we teach our kids and teach them how to do it the right way and make it enjoyable for them. If they're miserable and ready to go home, take them home, you know. I remember Hudson, uh, I guess he's he's eight now. He's one of them that killed on Saturday this past weekend. He, for the longest time, cared nothing about hunting. I didn't force it on him, but as he got older, he decided he wanted to go. I remember going sitting up on a uh, tree with him one day. I've been watching birds in the back of a field for a week. We were there for 30 minutes. And he said, let's go fishing, Dad. I was like, you kidding me, dude? We just got here and got set up. I'm going to go fishing. Like, Man, they're going to be here in about 45 minutes to an hour. I don't care. I want to go fishing. So I didn't make him stay. We loaded up prime time, went fishing. Just like that. Right. You can't make them uncomfortable. They're going to hate it if you do. you got to make it enjoyable for them. I think that was, that was well said. What do you think, Wayne? Yeah, we talked about that the uh, two weeks ago when we had our episode on youth hunting about how ending on a positive note. You know, if the kids can only stay out an hour, then just stay out an hour. Yeah. You know, and on a positive note, I, and Thomas, you nailed it. You, you know, he stayed happy, which meant that next time it wasn't, oh, I don't want to go. It was, okay, let's go. Because he knew that, you know, there was no bad negative experience with that last hunt. Yeah. And even if you don't harvest a bird or you, you're not successful as far as the harvesting something goes, try to find something positive that happened in the hunt 
and discuss it and talk about it. Right. You know? Agreed. It's like, wasn't it was that pretty great. cool when that when that squirrel come down right beside us and was that was pretty wow he was right there just something like that you know yeah what does family mean to you Thomas we're gonna wrap well it my up family there. my family is everything I've got a big family and I love my kids more than anything what about your faith what is your faith tell us about your faith well your your faith is first and foremost everything and your family should be second. As long as you've got faith, everything else is going to be taken care of. There you have it, folks. Thomas Moore, Team ARO Kentucky, Director of Waterfowl Operations at American Roots Outdoors, a family man, very successful. Four boys, four big longbirds, bite the dirt with American Roots calls. Uh, I want to thank the Holy Day Ammunition, Eagle Seed, right on Optics, Texas Race Hunting Products. Thank you for what you do for us. We want to thank everybody for listening to the show. And remember, everybody, when your roots run deep and strong, there's no reason to fear the wind. Fear the wind. And coming up next, we're going to have the bonus segment. So to listen to that, you have to be on the podcast. So make sure you subscribe and leave us a review. Catch the bonus segment coming up. So you never got to worry what the wind might do, American Thank you for joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station. Hornady presents. Welcome to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge. This is the bonus segment. If you're listening to the bonus segment, that means you are listening to us on a podcast carrier. We're on so many now, I don't even want to list them anymore. I take up half the show. Uh, Thomas, welcome back. Hello. <laughs> so much energy, Thomas. I know Hello. you're on the job site and that bologna is well, sandwich and that peanut butter and jelly sandwich is settling in on your stomach and you're thinking about a nap. And he's probably still trying to recover from last weekend. <laughs> yeah. I know you're wore out after killing those four long beards or calling them in for your kids to kill those four long beards. You've done a lot of walking and stuff and you talked about what your family meant to you and what hunting means to you. Let's talk about another side of Thomas Moore. You're a comedian, man. You're a big-time um, comedian, and you like to sing. I didn't know you could sing here until last spring when we went on a turkey on a spring board last. This guy can sing. Thomas, who, who's one of your favorite groups that you like to listen to? I like the Dixie Chicks. I'm glad they're back in action. Dixie Chicks? Yeah. Well, can you sing like the Dixie Chicks? Well, I think I can. I don't know if I can or not. Well, give us some <laughs> Dixie Chicks. What you want to hear? I don't know. Uh, what's your famous song, Wayne? You know anything? Uh, well, I get Earl's Gotta Die or something like that. You know that one? How about? Moon is full. My arms are empty. All night long. I bleed it and cry. Well, I said the day that you would leave me would be a cold day. In July. <laughs> I didn't hear that peanut butter and jelly in, in the console there to give that vibrato or whatever they call it. I said, that's no fair if you got Natalie sitting in the truck there with you. 
He's not, he's not feminine, everybody. I promise you, he's got six, seven boys. <laughs> I've been working on remodel jobs and be singing to myself in the bathroom or something, be working and have the homeowner come by and look in there like, that, is that you singing? I was like, yeah, that's me. Well, I thought there was a woman in here. <laughs> it's just me. <laughs> oh, man, Thomas, you're funny, man. Uh, you know, we've talked about a lot of great things in this show, guys. Share a lot of tips with all of our listeners. And uh, bonus segment, we can liable to do anything on here. Uh, what have you got to say to the world and, and to what's going on with hunting right now and, and the outdoors itself in the outdoor industry? What have you got to say to everybody? What do I have to say about everybody in the outdoor industry? Keep on keeping on, I guess, and, and get your youth involved. I mean, that's I keep emphasizing the youth, and that's that's very important that you get your kids involved. Now, if it's, you don't have a kid, find a kid. There's plenty of kids out there on a video game somewhere that needs to be took outside and taught to hunt or fish. That's good stuff, Wayne. Yeah. And I, another thing, I, I used to take my neighbor kids out. Uh, there was a program, and I'm not sure if what Missouri has the one or not, but in Ohio they had one. It was called JOAD, uh, Junior Olympic Archery Development. And uh, what it was is kids that were seven years old or older – they provided the bows and everything. You go there, they had uh, uh, professionals to come and help the teach, teacher kids to shoot archery, and they made a competition out of it. And man, was it great to get kids! I mean, we—I took some neighbor kids there, and the parents were like, "Oh yeah, go ahead, but you know, good luck if they're gonna, you know, want to do it again." Not only did they want to do it again, boy, they were bugging their parents to buy their own bow, buy the arrows, buy this, that, and the other. And you know, they, they parents would come up to me and be like, "I don't know what you got my kids into, but..." I tell you what, they ain't been on the video games. They're not, you know, wanting to do anything inside. They just want to go outside. They want to practice. They want, you know, so you need to help me. And um, it, it doesn't say you doesn't have to be taking them out to do a fishing or a hunting trip. But there's other outdoor sports. Um, Thomas, do you have any like uh, like skeet leagues or anything like that, or trap leagues that uh, kids can get into? We have 4-H here in Kentucky, and. Uh... Two of my boys shoot it a little bit, but they also play baseball in the summertime, so that kind of mm-hmm. interferes with some of the 4-H shooting. But uh, we do have 4-H, and some of the high schools around here will have trap trap teams and stuff like that. In fact, I heard rumor that Carlisle was, had either just started one last year, Carlisle is the county in which we live, or, or they're going to start one this year, a trap team. So I'm glad to see that. Yeah, that's great. And then you've also got the archery and uh, the schools program uh, Kentucky's real big in also. Uh, Ohio uh-huh. got into it a couple years ago, and it's, it's really taken off. Well, from what I've seen, if you'll take a kid at a young age and educate him about guns and gun safety, you're never going to have to worry about that kid doing some silly, right. crazy crap. Oh, that's so true. Well, folks, we've had a great show with Thomas, and we touched on some funny stuff there and wrapped it up with a good – uh, conversation, uh, Wayne. I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in and listening to American Roots Outdoors on the podcast. And uh, thank you, no matter where you're at, in Africa, New Zealand, wherever you may be listening. We have listeners in Romania right now. Romania, thank you Romania. for listening. Yeah, in Romania, uh, we love all the people in the world. All blood is red here at American Roots. Uh, we're not racist, and we are conservatives. We're Christians. And we just want to introduce everybody to Jesus, and that's what we're all about here at American Rich Outdoors. Closing words, Wayne. Yeah, if you want to uh, 
purchase any of the uh, the calls that, that Thomas was talking about, the Evelyn and the Laverne and the tube calls and all that, just go to our website, www.americanrootsoutdoors.com. Go to the shop page. We have our apparel, our deer calls, uh, our turkey calls. We can get them right out to you, just a, a couple days uh, shipping, and you'll have it right in your hand for turkey season. And if you order now, uh, Alex here will autograph it and get it sent out to you. They're all dated and signed, each call is, from me personally. Yep. So, thanks you for your support. And, again, Thomas, I'm going to let you give them our famous saying, when the roots run deep and strong, there's no need to fear the wind. There you have it, everybody. Thomas Moore, Team ARO Kentucky, a man of God, a man that loves his family. What a great show. Thanks, Thomas. Thank you, guys. The sun ain't up, they ain't down We'll be waiting when they hit the ground Big time coming, it's what we do From a whippoorwill to an old house who Sitting still till it's time to shoot American roots Take it to a holler